And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and today I was joined by a very special guest, Josh Franceschi, lead singer of the band You Me at Six. Josh is also uh, a great, huge, big football fan. He's an Arsenal fan and he played in the uh, FIFA tournament that the Premier League set up back in April of 2020. He was the last left standing celebrity entrant uh, entrance en- entrantee, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then he went out against Dwight McNeil, who it turns out is very, very good at FIFA. So I spent some of my afternoon watching that. In fact, I spent about 45 minutes watching that, and then I'm pretty sure I forgot to ask him about it. So that's a good start. Uh, but things we did talk about why he's an Arsenal fan. Growing up, uh, watching Arsenal with his dad. Also, we talked a little bit about the intersection between music and uh, football culture. Uh, we talked about Thomas Rosicki, who is a friend of Josh's. And uh, what else do we talk about? And we talked about politics as well. And the sort of intersection of, of that with music and with football and whether it inspires his writing. And Marcus Rashford came up in the conversation. It was wide ranging. I really enjoyed doing it. So thanks to Josh for attending. Josh and his band You Me at Six also have a new album coming out in January. Sucker Punch. It's all written in capitals. So I feel like I should say it like that. Sucker Punch. Um, and uh, it's pretty good, so you should have a listen to that as well, uh, in all the places that you would listen to it. But, uh, you know, whatever. I'm sure everyone that's listening likes music and football, and I just feel like that conversation doesn't... Does, they, they don't cross over as much as they used to. I'm keen for a dialogue to begin, or to continue if it was happening somewhere else, and I, I wasn't listening to it. That's the main thrust of my interest here. But hey also a thing you could do there is no intersection i don't really think between music and football on the athletic but there is football uh, and a, a great deal of high quality uh, some of it long form um, some of it tactical analysis of your favorite teams i.e most teams uh, so there are dedicated writers uh, who are who are as i say dedicated to, to, to individual premier league teams you get the you get the dedicated coverage you've said dedicated too many times don't say it again don't say it again you'll probably like it um and it will help me if you subscribe by visiting the athletic.com forward slash tifo that's the athletic.com forward slash tifo anyway no more of this uh, nonsense insolence it's time now for me to leave you in uh, the warm hands and the and the very cool embrace of Josh Franceschi. So, Josh, you you're a, an Arsenal fan, right? I am, yeah. And that has been the case since you were a child, I assume. Yeah, so um, my dad actually took me to Highbury when I was uh, six months years of age in oh, a okay. sort of backpack thing. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, I've, I've never really had a chance to uh, 
support anybody but Arsenal. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's in my blood. It's in my great grandmother um, and my grandmother from Willich, um, obviously where we originated from, the Arsenal. So, yeah, it's uh, one of those ones, man. Always, I was going to ask you been... about the association. So, it, it's, from, it's from the family then? Yes. Yeah, so, my, my, yeah, my, grad, uh, my dad's the, the, the first team he ever went and saw play football was, was Arsenal. Um, his his uh, granddad took him. And then uh, his his mum took him, and then he took me. So yeah, it's always been been Arsenal from uh, day dot. And you're a you're a season ticket holder, right? Yeah. Uh, so what's it been like this year, not being able to attend games? To be honest, it's 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 been no different to how it usually is because I'm usually on tour anyway. So um, I kind of when I'm at home, uh, it's something that uh, my dad and I love to do together. Um, I've been down at the Emirates now for. About for probably about six seven years. Um, had some great nights there. Had some pretty pretty poor ones as well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, but no, I think football without um, without fans is is just a completely pretty empty space. To be honest, um, I think it's great that they've managed that the the clubs and the, the sort of Premier League and you wait for that sort of stuff and managed to get it going to a point. But I mean, really it's, it's, um, it's a working man sport, you know, at the end of the day. And that's the, the culture of footballers is very much that the fans are the, the, the bloodstream of, um, of any club. So yeah, I can imagine for those that were, that are lucky enough to be able to go and see their team play week in, week out. Um, it's probably been a, a, a pretty rough time, but I'm so used to being on a bus in America or, yeah. At a laptop, you know, backstage somewhere watching watching us play. So um watching us on, on Sky Sports or BT hasn't been hasn't been too bad. But uh yeah, I'd much rather be there, obviously. Does this mean that there's a sort of litany of people associated with you and your family that get to use your tickets when you can't go most of the time? Yeah, it it's a joke to be honest. Um <laughs> because my, my dad will just sort of like will just basically turn around to his mates. And be like, oh, I've got, I've got, um, got two tickets to the Arsenal on, uh, on the, on Saturday, and I'd be like, yeah, are they paying for them? Because I am, so I wouldn't mind maybe somebody chucking me a bit of cash. No, but it's, uh, it's nice because obviously if I can't go, then we've also got, yeah, uh, a little crew of us uh, that will go, um, and we always go. There's like a little Turkish place called Noah's, just by Highbury Islington Station, and we'll go yeah. there before and have a bite to eat and go down all together so it's it's good for my dad's and it's and it's you know even better for me to I mean I'd always I'd I promised myself more than I promised him really that if I ever got into any sort of decent money um that the first thing I'd be buying would be would be finding a way of getting me and him into uh on the fast track so to speak which we were lucky that we had a few people that helped us get tickets probably sooner rather than we we could have but um it's it's such a you know it's such a big part of my upbringing and and the relationship my dad is is strong on other levels of course but I mean football is something that we've always been bonded over and and had a great love for so um, yeah it's nice to go and share those moments with him yeah I mean I suppose it kind of goes without saying doesn't it it's almost a, it's almost a sort of um, not a cliche in a negative sense but the idea of uh, paternal bonding over football is sort of ever present throughout England you presumably then you have experienced that throughout throughout your life right. Yeah, 100%. Um, couldn't agree with you more. And it's it's one of those things that, like, 
you know, we've had, especially sort of over the last few years, we've had moments where like, you know, we've gone, been at Wembley and, and watched the FA Cup final. And there was, what well, I think it was the year we beat Hull in the FA Cup final. They played uh, one of our songs at half time, you know, and it was sort nice. of like, that's just sort of stuff that, you can't really put a price on that sort of stuff because a, I mean that that's the beauty, beautiful thing about that final against Hull was that it was a complete disaster really for the first <laughs> sort of like twenty five minutes and um, I, actually it's it's one of the times where I got very excited put it that way we we ended up being in a, a box because basically we were part of like some sort of relationship with with a company that that's why our, our song got played at half time and um, so then they invited me and my dad as a guest into their box and then I got very very excited on on the wine um and the beers <laughs> because we were losing 2-0 to Hull uh and I wasn't having it and I wasn't I said to myself I'm not doing this sober so um I got pretty ratted I don't think I'm banned from Club Wembley but I'm definitely it's not easy <laughs> for me to get in anymore because at one point I was sort of climbing in between the different boxes telling everyone to not take their lives so serious and start singing some Arsenal songs and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that was a that was a big day out. So is that um, your version of, uh, you know, trashing a hotel room? Yeah, getting told off by Club Wembley and, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. the hospitality thing at uh, Wembley, yeah. It's better. It's much more understandable, I would say. So that's... that's 100%. Um, <laughs> that's good. So, I mean, did you play football when you were growing up? Yeah, I'm not one of those that will turn around and say that trials at West Ham or anything like that. But um, yeah, I played a lot of football. Um, Did you have a position? I played, well, so I used to be centre mid um, and then the engine went a little bit. And now I play a lot of... Um, there's actually a really cool app. I don't know if you're aware of it, called Fitty Addicts. Right, yeah. Um, and it's basically like Tinder for football in, in the sense that they basically organise games all across the country and uh they organize refs and and you know pitches and bibs and football and that sort of stuff and somebody comes and hosts the game and you basically just rock up and you play so i play a lot of that i literally live in hackney so i actually play in islington uh right, a place yeah. called paradise park and um and over the last few years i've just realized that especially when you start playing like 18 19 year old kids that are coming down and playing as well and you're like i don't have I don't have it anymore to like go up and down, uh, even if it is a seven aside. So I've kind of, uh, you're relying on your vision now, Josh, right? Your experience. It's that I'm, I'm playing like left wing back, left center back a lot of the time now. Don't ask why I've just, I like to cut in and spray them. So, uh, that's my position these days. You're an inverted Uh, fullback. You're right footed. Yeah. 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 So, so when, but it's not good news when, you know, a lad with a lot of energy comes sprinting at me. I mean, I'm always kind of, I try and give myself five yards or so. That's the, that's the experience. Yeah, exactly. Do, do you do this on your own or do you do it like with the, with some friends or? Uh, so yeah, one of my friends who used to live, um, one of my old college mates who lived in, in Central for a bit, like told me about it. We went and played once or twice and then he moved back to Surrey and I was like, well, I'm not going to stop. And then all that seemed to happen is I kept on telling my museo mates uh, that live in, that live in London, look, this is what's going on. And, um, cause it, you know, it's like, if you're trying to get like, you know, yeah. 10 or 12 mates to play five sides, six sides and get people to commit to it is tough because especially as you know, you get older life gets in the way. Um, so now like, yeah, there's loads of like 
my mates who play in bands and then like DJs and stuff like we all go down and play at different times but more often than not I'm playing on my own um with you get recognized strangers yeah I have done actually quite a few times and it's a bit strange um more more over at the beginning at the beginning of a game like when you walk over and introduce yourself to your teammates and you sort of get that like what do you do that kind of thing not that but like yeah there's that but then i also like i know when somebody knows because yeah. i just know i know what the face is um because you know it's just one of those that i've kind of gotten used to over the years at different times like not in like a, in a sort of big headed way but it's just one of those things that you can pick up on people that do know what do know who you are and that don't and um yeah it, it makes no difference to me because in there i'm i'm just down there to to play football but also like to make make friends and and i've actually i've actually made some really good mates from going down there and um a lot of the time the spirit of of, of the game is really, like really decent and there's not too much attitude and and uh but what's also really cool is that like you get people like both boys and girls from all over the place playing i've literally played with you know the spanish lads who play football in a very different way uh the italians who are you absolutely love to roll around on the floor. You've got you know, you got you got the French who are a bit more cultured of, on the ball, and like you know, there's lots of different styles, and I think that's really interesting. And then you also get like the lads from you know the area that are just sort of like there's so many great characters down there. So yeah, it's something I definitely recommend to to your listeners. Um, it's something I've really enjoyed doing, and it's a really cool, really cool idea. I'm looking forward to it actually. Um, opening back up after this yeah, right. next next lockdown. Can I ask, uh, just to linger on the being recognized thing a little bit, if you if you are recognized or as you say, if you know if you know that somebody knows you, does it ever change the dynamic of the team? Because like if you feel like one or two people recognize you, do you get less flack or do you get more or does it does it change anything? Um not really because I feel like my, my attitude when I play, I'm like I'm I'm definitely one of those people that talks a lot on the pitch and it's always like I'm always encouraging people. So I, like not in a, in a, in a strange way, but like I've, I've got, I'm lights down there, if that makes sense, because I'm just like, I just, I want people to have fun. I want to enjoy it. I don't, I hate the thought of making people feel bad. And I think early on in the game, people can sense, you know, you can sense who the flashy ones are, you can sense who the mouthy ones are, the sort of bullish ones. Um, and also like some of my mates that I go down with, are in far bigger bands than I am. So um, they, they more often than not get more recognised than I do. So it's not really a stress for me, to be honest. But I've got some of my mates down there now. Like The thing is, is that it's not, it's more about what people will say when you're not there. So I went down, I didn't play for about three months because I was, um, sorry, for two months because I was in uh, Thailand making a record. Yeah. And I came back and um, one of the lads that I play with was just like, where you've been then? And I was like, oh, I've been just recording a record in, in a way. And, um, and then like some of the other lads overheard it like, oh, superstar. Like they all call me superstar. <laughs> now, which is a bit, which is ironic more than anything. But um, yeah. as I said, like, but you're just one of the lads then. Yeah. Just one of the lads. Yeah, exactly how I like it. And like, it's, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm just an ordinary dude that has a, from time to time has extraordinary uh, extraordinary circumstances through the band other than that I'm just literally just want to have a laugh with people nothing too stressful nothing too serious looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, well, listen, you mentioned friends of yours who are in bands who who also play football with you. I wanted to ask you about this, the, the sort of the intersection between football culture and music. Because I don't, I mean, I think we're about, about the same. You're 30, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So about the same age. And I, you know, I remember uh, that intersection being a lot stronger and a lot more prevalent in the nineties, um, particularly with Britpop and, you know, associations with bands and teams like Oasis and Man City and that sort of thing. And then sure. it, I don't know if it's just the kind of music I was listening to, but I felt like that, that, felt, you know, faded away a little bit over time. Um, and also, you know, I think, um, I think about my dad, right. Who, who grew up in, in Harlow in Essex. So, so not far from London and he was a weirdo and he loved music and Van Morrison and Bob Dylan and Neil Young, but he also loved football and he also played football. And I feel like those two things gelled in a way that when I was growing up in the two thousands, um, that they didn't like at my school, you sort of either liked football or you liked, you know, music, but they didn't really cross over. And so I'm always I'm always interested when I meet uh, musicians who are also massive football fans, uh, or, or vice versa. Um, was that your experience of it, or is is it totally different to mine? Uh, no, it's not too dissimilar. I mean, like I'll tell you a, a story that I kind of is is become like a bit of a wives' tale in, in terms of Yumi at six because of what happened with it and how it ended up being. But um, I went to uh, Arsenal every year, have like a, a foundation ball like a it's like a black tie event at the end of every season and i went once um as a guest of uh i think it was somebody at fifa I'm not, i can't exactly remember but anyway i went down there and obviously all the players are there and it's it's also something for the fans as well and certain fans that have been invited or have done something special within the community that year or whatever anyway i'm experiencing a lot that like throughout the night i'm bumping into players but no one is bothered like in the sense of like no one cares um yeah. and i'm and, and rudimental there and people like that and you know everyone loves them so that and they're performing and everyone's all over it and um i sort of lost faith of me becoming pals of anybody uh in the team at this point and i'm on my way back from the toilet and i like physically bump into thomas Rosiski, who right. we get chatting in like his favorite bands like foo fighters and like slipknot and stuff like that and we get chatting and we like exchange numbers and I don't really think anything of it. And then, you know, four or five years later, we're still really good friends. And whenever we play in the, in Prague and the Czech Republic, he comes out to the shows and we go for dinner and he comes to festivals and hangs out and stuff. And what's interesting is that he will always tell me that like for a lot of the guys that music was a massive part of like his growing up. Yeah. Um, but he was probably the only person in the whole of the Arsenal squad that liked music that wasn't hip hop or rap. Right. And so I think like maybe like there's that thing now where a lot of the footballers are about now, like back in the day, like if you played for City, you know, or you even just grow up in Manchester, like you like the Stone Roses or Oasis, because like you said, that's that big Britpop thing. And there hasn't really been that much of that crossover, yeah. I feel like. Um, so it but might yeah, be the music that you and I were listening to in the 2000s. Yeah, rather, maybe, rather man. Than, That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I feel like 
the as people the FIFA soundtrack really changed, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And like, I remember when we were on, um, that was one of the things that I experienced a lot when, when we were on uh, FIFA 13 um, and we started, sorry, FIFA 14 and we started doing like promo around it and we did like Soccer AM and did the FIFA 13 launch and, and all that sort of stuff. Like I noticed that like people would recognize me like the, down at the Emirates because of seeing me in right, Soccer AM or right. hearing our song on FIFA. And it's like, that would, and I'd look at them and be like, you don't look like, you know, stereotypical Arsenal, Arsenal you meet six fans. Um, so again, I think there is that definitely that thing of like, I think that that sort of stuff helps, you know, like bring back in that sort of music, that guitar yeah. music culture back into football. Um, but yeah, it's not very common that comes around. I still think about, um, you know, the opening of Road to the World Cup 98 with song two. Uh, yeah. That's just, that's like, that's what I think about when I think of FIFA. I think that's, that's sort of my, you know, defining memory of it. But um it's yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a, I think that's actually quite an important thing. I think if we think about the way that, you know, the internet can sometimes act as a bit of a feedback loop, as can, you know, uh individual groups or or little societies within schools and stuff, you, you you do end up getting stuck in a groove sometimes and you know, only hearing stuff that that is similar to the things that you already like. So actually when you do have something which crosses a lot of those um groups, something like FIFA having mm. having a soundtrack which has to its credit has always been you know fairly wide ranging that must have been cool how did you find out that you were that you were going to be on the on the soundtrack for that game uh we were in LA at the time um and we just finished uh putting together our song Live to Lie which ultimately ended up being on the game and um we actually the lady Sybil came from EA sports came to the studio and we went out for dinner and we were just sort of hanging out and I was explaining to her like, you know, why it would be so massive for, for us to be on the game. And like you're saying, like being a big fan of, of the game, like to be on the game itself was, was mad. And that kind of really, I think she really got a sense that it wasn't just like a PR thing for us. Like it was going to be massive for, for, um, us as a collective, but me individually, is to be on on, on the soundtrack, and uh, yeah, it was just really really sick. And I remember when we were we were touring in America when the game came out, and we put the we put the game into the the Xbox, and the first song that came on was was "Live to Lie." It was just like just wild, and it's also wicked when you when you like smash your mates at FIFA, and they've got to listen to your band play um, <laughs> after it. It's good crack, man. That's nice. Uh, your bandmates, football fans as well. Yeah, so we've got um, Max, who's also a Gooner, and then Dan, our drummer, uh, is a massive United fan. And Matt and Chris, over the years, have got more and more into it. I think, well, Chris's dad was a big Spurs fan, um, so I think he, you know, we have a bit of banter about that. Um, and then Matt is just kind of like, he's. I think he said he's had a Liverpool shirt in the past, um, but I don't know. He's He's not massively into it, but when, like, if it's on, they'll watch it and we'll go down to the pub or um, if, you know, especially when the Euros, the World Cup comes around, we all get bang into it together. Yeah. So, I was thinking when you mentioned uh, Thomas Rosicki, that that kind of like, because he's, he's, he's Czech, isn't he? Like that, that they have that yeah. pretty, pretty big alternative rock scene there. Because also Petr Cech is a drummer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Petr Cech is a, a good drummer. And Thomas actually, one of the gigs he came down to, um, 
he was just like, he was looking at Max's guitars during sound check. He's like, wow, this guitar's so sick. And because he taught himself when he was injured, he taught himself how to play guitar. And so as we were like lined, like obviously we were about to go on and um, Max said, oh, why don't you go and line check my guitar? So Tom Rzyski went on stage and started <laughs> riffing like some Slipknot or something. And what's funny is obviously like, he was the captain of the Czech Republic. Like if people know who he is, regardless of if you're yeah. massively into football or not, like if the captain of your national team is on stage, guitar checking something, you're going to like react. And it was just so funny hearing people being like, is that Tom Siski? Also they're in speaking <laughs> Czech. But, um, and that night we tried to like go out after the gig, but I guess it become like common knowledge, like all the press, all loads of journos and photographers were like the paparazzi were outside the venue. And so we ended up just going onto the bus and like having a bunch of beers and that. And um, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a good dude, man. He's a, he's a really, really good guy. And um, yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that like somebody that I've watched and cheered on so many times, I've, I've now got a relationship where like he comes now and cheers me on, I guess it's, yeah. it's kind of, um, it's a wild yeah, thing cool. that, that, that football can bring that uh, football music can have that relationship you know this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So you said you were a grunger growing up. What what kind of what kind of bands were you into? Yeah, I sort of like early early years. I kind of um, was you know getting into like Linkin Park and System of a Down and Slipknot and stuff like that. And then yeah, my taste just sort of continued to. I keep I kept on finding finding like smaller bands, um, and just I kind of got really into pop punk and hardcore and emo and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, just, it just continued to evolve. And I mean, I still, if, you know, if, if Linkin Park put out a song now, I'll still check it out with enthusiasm, but yeah, it's um, one of those bands that were just really important when I was growing up. Hybrid Theory was just such a massive yeah, yeah, yeah. record for me and my friends because it just completely, we just couldn't believe that the music, we, the sort of music we liked was like on the radio and on CD UK or whatever stuff was do you know what i mean like it's just wild i remember writing out the lyrics to in the end uh as a as a teenager and yeah i was i was i was obsessed with that album and also like it, I, for me i remember it being uh one of the first things that i listened to that sort of crossed a couple of different genres and totally, uh, thinking yeah. that actually that that's I, I know it seems silly to think you know about this retrospectively now but actually that was pretty that's a pretty big moment for me listening to music because uh, it's not really something that I had um, I had engaged with before, you know. And and you know, I know that a lot of your music now does does a similar thing. So do, you, do you, presumably you were influenced by that, right? 
100% man and like actually I remember one one day uh, there was an occasion when I was out and about and the fact that I was wearing um, a Lincoln Park hoodie stopped me from getting beaten up like, <laughs> really yeah these chavs were mugging me and they're about to slap me about a little bit and one of the dudes was like is that a Lincoln Park hoodie and I was like yeah <laughs> and he was like I love Lincoln Park they're sick and I was like cool can i have my nokia 3310 back please or what's going on <laughs> do you know what i mean so um yeah i think i'm 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 really glad actually that music is has changed in that way i think it's less there was a time where what music you listen to like just a, there was a stick a stigma around it yeah, both yeah. good and bad um and i think yeah that now that there's a thing where kids today can like you know they can put on a Travis Scott song and then listen to a Yumi at Six song, you know, and there's no sort of like judgment or weirdness about it. But growing up, it was such a badge of honor to be a metler or a it rocker. Was. Yeah. Uh, uh, and at the same time, it was like, well, were you listening to So Solid Crew? Do you know what I mean? Like it was one of those. So um, yeah. I'm sure there's other people they listen to. But I mean, and that was the other thing is it was actually the music could bring people together that were not meant to be together if that makes sense i mean i remember when i went to college and i became best friends with a one a dude there and um i remember when like it, it was just so sick that he was showing me music and i was showing him music and like he'd be showing me like kano and like like wiley like going really yeah. back at it like almost like you know 10 years ago sort of stuff and um and and his older brother was sort of in skate music and rock music and so the fact that then that's that's how we kind of we got together on the basketball court, but then we became friends through sharing music with each other. Um, and have been friends ever since. So it can do that. It can sort of really bring strangers together, which is, you know, that's why music is so important, I think. And that's why football is so important and sport is so important because it can bring strangers together in a way that not many art forms really can, you know? Yeah, I agree. Hey, your Wikipedia page says that you studied A-level politics. Yeah, it's true, man. I did. I can't believe that's on Wikipedia. How random! It, there's not like, like <laughs> of of your uh, of your personal bit that takes up one of the sentences as well. Like, it's actually <laughs> an history and film. It says you also now live in. Why do, Why do people? How do people know that? I don't know. I've definitely not gone. I've not got like chucked a review of myself on Wikipedia. So that's really interesting. Uh, Esher but, uh, College, okay, cool. Esher, 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 Esher College. Yeah, they um. It was a shame, actually, because I was never really uh, that academic and I kind of really fell in love with my studies at sec uh, at college, uh, secondary school. I couldn't have cared less. And then, like, yeah, Isha College, I was really into it. And then after the first year, it was kind of like, well, are you going to, you know, an op the opportunity for the band was, was going well. We wanted to explore it a little bit further. And the college were like, look, we can't facilitate you continue to study here and going off and you know with uh being a, in a band and touring and yada 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 so it's a shame because my politics teacher mayor was this, this really like um, amazing dude and i think he's part of the reason why i really got into politics and got into uh got into school but um yeah i wish i wish i'd sort of maintained contact with him because i'd love him to to know that years later on being in this in this classroom, I went on to go and speak at like, the House of Commons about you know the the ticket tallying side of things, and yeah, I'm sure he would have got a kick out of that. The one of the students had done that, 
Um, but but yeah, it was you a could good find place. him, right? You could probably still find him. Yeah, I, I tried to when it was all kicking off, and I was going and, and speaking. And I wanted him to be able to tune in, but um, I, don't, I don't have Facebook, and I didn't really know how else to do it. I think I, I think I, I think my mum called the call. Anyway, I'm completely going off on a tangent. But, um, <laughs> no, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, I have very similar things. I think everyone listening will have will have at some point tried to contact someone from their past, and it's yeah. yeah. And it's either gone horribly wrong or, uh, yeah. But I, I wanted to ask you about it because I was listening to, um, to some of your new music. Uh, Make Me Feel Alive is, a, is the song I'm thinking of, um, which that is, is at times fairly political. And it reminded me, me a little bit of, I don't know if you, did you ever listen to Million Dead when you were growing up? I did, yeah, Frank Turner, yeah. It reminded Brilliant. me a little bit, uh, like I felt like it could have been on a song to ruin, you know. So I just wanted to yeah, know if, that yeah. was, if it's an inspiration or how much you think about politics, how much politics plays a part in your in your music. And obviously, you referenced it earlier in relation to football as well as being, you know, being the working man's sport or the working people's sport. To be honest, I, I maybe in our early years, I've not deliberately avoided it, but I've just realised that, you know, or I, I'd come to the conclusion that. The, fans of our music don't need to hear my political view do you know what I mean and then as I've gotten older I've realised more and more that if we're in a position of influence and our power is that we can influence especially in in um in a positive um, capacity like it's actually you're doing more of a disservice by not sharing your goals and I think and, and sort of your aspirations for the future of society and like of course, that's so like heavily interlinked with with politics, um, and I think that more and more we're learning about how music, uh, sorry, how music and politics are intertwined. And I think, you know, that's why I kind of like I feel that um, I don't, I never like to shove stuff down people's throats, but um, I think make me feel alive was an opportunity because I was so frustrated about. Uh, things that are going on and again also in our song our house on fire like we're talking about you know the planet dying you know like it's not for people to 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 sort of to suggest that global warming isn't isn't real and isn't happening is just one of those things that you really need your your people in power not just domestically but internationally to like be seriously getting behind that because you know we've got to think of the future generations and what's going to happen with that um, and what we do now will will certainly play a pretty imperative role in in how things move forward. But yeah, I think um, music again is one of those platforms that is really does hold weight, and you have to be like aware of that. And like especially culturally, more and more, you know, I think do we trust our politicians as much as we? trust or admire our favorite musicians probably not you know so it's like, <laughs> almost certainly not <laughs> yeah. you know um and and yeah i think there's a massive disconnect between those in power and people like myself because they don't really have any personality and i i, I mean i've I'm, i've also like fallen not fallen out but like it's interesting when you have debates with people about politics even in your own band or, or in music in general, and you can sort of get a pretty, pretty interesting scope as to where people are at. Um, so, yeah, it's important for me, I think, to if I've got something to say, especially if I feel like I'm well-versed in it, I've got to make sure that I, I, I say it in a way that gets the point across but doesn't 
make people feel that I'm saying I'm better than them because I've got that opinion, you know, and I think that's really important. Yeah, it's a difficult balance sometimes, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I've been thinking over the last uh, few months that one of the shames of there not being any uh, supporters in stadiums is that I think the crowd response to Marcus Rashford whether, wherever he played would be pretty positive right oh mate I mean what a yeah what a, a cool guy what a cool guy man like yeah. he's a he's a credit to uh, his club and his country and I mean look it, go, it goes back to like you know you then start reading stuff that like people are trying to say about him on social media or you know news articles and you realize that like they're scared because there's there's a shift now you know and like people like Marcus Rashford who is a what a 22 year old he's a man but you know he's still a very young man and yeah, him yeah. to take on that level of responsibility and and I think you know to use his platform for something that is you know he is it's a class issue and and he's not he could just completely leave it behind and still look after his family and still look after stuff like like he did the other day when he bought a bunch of houses for his family and everyone's tried to make a whole hoo-ha about it it's a, it's a disgrace to be honest um and yeah i think he's a credit to um a real credit to to footballers actually and i, I remember when we went into our first lockdown everyone was saying oh shouldn't the players all be getting together and taking pay cuts to uh to to pay for x y and z and it's like isn't it funny that they're going after them the first people they're going after are the young rich a lot of them come from multicultural backgrounds yeah um you know it's it's not the rich aristocratic um you know and there's nothing wrong with coming coming from you know an affluent background or coming from money but when you go after those that necessarily haven't yeah, and expect yeah. them to empty their pockets when you're not willing to, then there's a there's a big problem there. Um, Taylor's all the time. Scapegoats. Yeah, totally, man, totally. So that, and that's why I just think, yeah, you're so right. Marcus Rashford, as far as I'm concerned, should be... Um, I don't want to ever hear any stories of any football fans around the country uh, giving him any jip, you know, in terms of it should absolutely. be nothing but absolute respect because what he's done is, yeah, it's, it's, it's so heavy. It's so wicked that he's done that. Hey, listen, we have two minutes before my non-pro Zoom meeting ends. Um, but no, no. I wanted to I wanted to ask you firstly, Sucker Punch is uh, is the is the new You Meet Six album. It comes out in January, right? Yeah, that's the one, man, yeah. And you recorded it in Thailand. We did, yeah. That's very that's very exciting. Presumably that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And we kind of just made the the decision that, you know, we're not gonna stay in England. We're definitely not gonna record in America right now. Um, and <laughs> yeah, we just, we, we'd been there a bunch of times before and we were just really all focused on, on sort of like checking out and unplugging from the world. So we found this little utopia in, in a little fishing village and, you know, two and a half hours outside Bangkok and made a record and it was, yeah, it was, it was serene, you know, like it was one of those, one of those experiences that, you know, it was unexpected, you know, this far in and, you know, to be blown away by something like that was not something I was expecting to be surrounded by on our seventh album. But yeah, it was it was pretty uh, pretty special. Well, listen, man, I'm really looking forward to listening to it. And also, I know you're you're back on tour in in May as well. So hopefully, you can you know, lots of football fans can can show up at your your gigs. Hell yeah, man! Hope so. <laughs> hey, well, listen, thanks so much, and um, uh, take care. Thank you very much, man. Cheers for your time. I appreciate it. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.